Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who really believes he can develop a video game that can slice bread, cure temporary blindness, resolve unified field theory, and will wrap up development in just 15 minutes. Mr. Lauren Baumgarten, Lauren! <laughs> that may be my favorite intro of all time, Brent Adams. <laughs> I'm telling you what. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. How are you, man? I tell you what's awesome is the amount of spittle that is now on my computer monitor. That is what is awesome. Uh, I'm doing great, man. Welcome back to the United States. Uh, thank you. Yes, I, I come to you live, ladies and gentlemen, via recording, via live, via recording. <laughs> From the United States of America, this time in beautiful Denver, Colorado, next week uh, in uh, wonderful Northampton, I believe, Massachusetts. So, uh, not sure where you're moving. <laughs> the, no, I'm not sure. Um, the, um, uh, I'm happy to be here. Lag. I'm happy to, uh, so tired. I'm happy to be back in the United States. I'm excited about what the uh, implications for you and I on the gaming front, Brent. That's right. We'll be in the same time uh, zone for the first time ever. Yes, I'm very excited about that, and we might be able to get get, get some more gaming in, and I'm excited uh, yeah, about man. that. So it's gonna be great. Yeah, ex- uh, very happy. So uh, thank you for welcoming me back. I'm glad I made it in time to do the show. My, I, I just ran in from the airport, very very tired. Uh, um, okay, that's a lie. I came in yesterday, but I wanted it. <laughs> I wanted it to be a little more dramatic. Well, I mean, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making a story a little bit more dramatic, unless that story has something to do with, you know, when your game's going to be ready for, you know, for sale, you know, when you're going to implement your multiplayer, what kind of features you're going to have. I mean, like at that point, yeah, you might be, you know, you might be having some problems. I'm excited to talk about that. But before we do, Brent, let's start off with the garage and uh, take a look under the hood, see what we got on the topics this week. You. Uh, made up the docket, so there's actually some interesting topics as mm-hmm. opposed to... Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no that's not true. Um, this first one w- was a real surprise to me. I was not aware of this game, Brent. Uh, I wasn't either. Well, and I mean, in fairness, I think that, you know, the first uh, the first trailer for it just dropped... Uh, seems within the last week or so. It, it doesn't seem like this has been this has been around for too long, but uh, it is a, a rather interesting uh, title uh, called We Happy Few... This is uh, from Compulsion Games. They uh, they worked on a game that we talked about on the show called Contrast. It was uh, it was one of the freebie launch titles for the the PlayStation Four. You know, back in uh, 2013, I guess. Um, and uh, this is uh, this is their their next game, and it's uh, it's very very interesting. You you really are going to have to watch the trailer to uh, to kind of pick up on the vibe. But there is a I don't know. I think I would describe it almost as almost as like a Twilight Zone episode. Like that's kind of the feeling I get from it. Or Twilight Zone mixed yep. with a little bit of the prisoner. The, Soylent uh, Green. Oh, well, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. Listen, I'll take Charles Heston <laughs> any way he wants me. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, whoa. Uh, yes, you will. My point is uh, that this this game is uh, is rather interesting. It uh, it's definitely got a, a really kind of um, oppressive, you know, kind of Orwellian sort of vibe to it. Uh, you are the odd man out in a society that has decided to uh, to be happy, and whoever isn't happy, uh, the, <laughs> whoever isn't happy, apparently gets beaten to death by a mob. But anyway, um, check out the trailer. It's 
it's cool. It's it's got a the, the the style like the art style will will remind you a little bit of something along the lines of contrast or maybe even dipping a bit in the in the Bioshock waters. But um, it's definitely got a weird vibe to it. What did you, what did you think about it? Watching the trailer, not really knowing anything about the game going in. I, I thought it looked super awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it. I haven't played Contrast. I've heard uh, mixed things about it. I think people thought it was a really interesting idea. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it didn't quite flesh out the game gameplay elements fully. I, I, I don't know that for a fact because I didn't play it myself. But yeah. uh, I, I liked what they were doing. Evaluation. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it looked interesting to me. And at some point, I definitely will check it out, I think. And um, uh, I, I thought this looked interesting. I was surprised by the time they got to the gameplay at the end that it uh, was as much zombie as it was it kind of had a real zombie feel to it um and, and that doesn't bother me I, I thought i thought it was a really super interesting aesthetic like you yeah. said it was a it was a weird combination of like i don't know fallout and like and to me like soylent green and, and and i like i like the idea uh very much and i'm looking forward to seeing more from the gameplay and i hope it's not just some like super simple straightforward you know it kind of looked a little bit like the original dead island or maybe um um uh, what's the, what's the other uh, dead dead rising mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing? You know, uh, they showed some uh, some like zombie melee gameplay, and, and I hope that there's more to it than that. Um, but I but I'm looking very forward to finding out uh, what exactly that is. And I thought it was a very interesting piece of media for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I think it's pretty evocative in, in terms of just you know giving you some kind of insight into the tone of the game. And, you know, talking about, you know, the kind of the zombie thing, I mean, if you listen to psychologists sort of talk about, you know, why people are afraid of what they are afraid of, you know, in horror movie tropes, clowns and, you know, things like that, uh, they'll talk about the, 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 the fear behind, like, the zombie movie is the fear of the mob. You know, it is the fear of being the, uh, the odd man out and everyone else being against you. That's, that's kind of the... the the root psychological fear of, of of zombie trope or, you know, like the zombie genre or whatever. So I think that's actually a pretty apropos uh, analogy that you're making. Yeah, it should be an interesting, uh, an interesting piece for sure. I'm curious to see more, as you said. Yes, indeed. So uh, moving on. <laughs> yes. Possibly, I, I, I possibly the, possibly the, the, uh, the most unlikely uh, video game trailer to ever appear on the show. But uh, I, I, th- I think that there's, there's an underlying <laughs> kind of message behind this that's rather interesting. The next is the uh, Steam release trailer for a game called Social Justice Warriors. And uh, if you think that it sounds as fun as it does, just check out the trailer and you can, you'll, well, you'll find out for yourself. I came across this on Destructoid, and um, it's difficult to not watch this trailer and imagine that this is somebody's response to the Gamergate controversy and a lot of the, uh, you know, just a lot of the venom and stuff being thrown around then. But what was really, really precious to me, and, and just to be clear, uh, the, the premise of the game is ostensibly that it is a kind of role-playing game. I'm using air quotes here, but it's a kind of a role-playing game, uh, you know, where you're going to be, I don't know, a social justice cleric, a social justice paladin, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and that you are, you've got to take on internet trolls and defeat them with your mad social justice warrior skills. And it's a very crude looking game in terms of graphics and everything. The gameplay mechanics, not too, not too complex. Looks like, you know, mostly just selecting items out of a text menu as you go through kind of turn based combat with internet trolls. 
And but what was really precious to me is reading through the comments on Destructoid. There's one person who says something to the effect, uh, something to the effect of, "Hey, is is anybody else getting a vibe? This is kind of making fun of social justice warriors." <laughs> it was like, yes, <laughs> yes, a lot of us are getting that vibe. But anyway, um, the reason that this is in the document is that. I uh, we, we've talked a little bit about this, not a lot, but I'm fascinated with the idea of video games as uh, as political speech, and <laughs> certainly this would qualify as somebody's uh, somebody's political opinion of social justice warriors made as a video game, and uh, I I think that number one that kind of explains you know how swiftly it was apparently thrown together, but it's a it's a really fascinating development that you know just as as films, as documentary films, uh, you know, going back to, you know, like, like the written word, political pamphlets, all of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, all of the, the different mediums of expression that have existed have been utilized at some point or another for political speech. You know, we're now living in, and this is not the first example, uh, bear in mind, but we're now living in a time where video games are also being used as political speech, and, and I find that very, very fascinating. I agree, and I was very curious to get your take on on this before putting mine out there. And I actually, you know, I, I didn't, didn't interrupt you while you were talking about it, but I, I think that idea, uh, you know, you were talking about, is this making fun of social justice warriors? And, and you very quickly said, yes, <laughs> you know, yes. And, and I actually ca- kind of wonder if it is or not, um, because from what I saw, and, t- and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, Brent, but... It looked like if you were looking, it was very hard to see. But if you and I'm watching it on a small computer, but if yeah. if you were looking at like what was being typed by the by the social justice warrior and what was being typed by the uh, troll, the different kinds uh-huh. of trolls, they both were. Um, they seemed fairly right on, and and neither one of them had much of a, a reputation or uh, I forget what the other bar was. What was the other Sanity. bar? Sanity, sanity, right? Yeah, yeah. Like those, those are your two kind of resources: your reputation and your sanity. And I know, I know nothing about who made this game or what their intentions were. I purposefully did not go read about it. Um, no, or, and and I don't either, for the record. And I like, I literally purposefully did not go read about it before this discussion because I wanted to have the discussion sort of agnostic of of, of what the intent was. But right. I could actually see how. Um, it actually reminded me, and I haven't played this game, but it kind of reminded me of Papers, Please, um, right. or or a little bit of like, um, um, uh, I want to say this is your life. What what is the uh, 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 this war is this war of mine? This um, war of mine. Uh, that sense of trying to to make you really understand the emotion, and I wonder if the people coming at this game are really coming at it that maybe they aren't social justice warriors, uh, and maybe they aren't the trolls, but but they're. Uh, I thought it was really interesting to see the image of the two people doing the same thing, you know, so making them basically relatable to each other. Like, look, these are just two well, sides yeah, exactly. of a coin. That, that's I, the whole. That's that's the exact point. The exact point is that these two thi- these two th- factions. Are not dis- are not dissimilar in any way, and they're that, and they're the ending up like this being made. They're and or at least it seems that way in our in, in what we've seen, um, yeah. and and that they're um, uh, they're ending up in the same place, and the place that they're both ending up is a place of misery. And, That's exactly and, right. We're no with no reputation and no sanity. And I'm not so sure that that if you put all that together, that it's making fun of them as much as it is like trying to say like, look at this. If you step back and look at this from an outside perspective, and you try not to be one or the other of these. You know, look at what's actually going on. And, and I thought that was really interesting. And, and after we have this discussion, I do want to check out this game and, and read a little bit more about it and see what their intents were, see what the actual gameplay mechanic is. Um, uh, but I thought, I thought it was actually interesting. 
I well, I, I certainly agree with that. I think I think it's a really fascinating you know, sort of expression of an idea. And it is interesting that, you know, perhaps it is vague enough, perhaps it is enough of a Rorschach test that, you, you know, you can kind of look into it and, 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 you know, maybe what you see is a reflection of, of your, you know, of your own, uh, your own outlook or whatever. So I also, I, I'm fascinated by it and I'll be, I'll be interested to see what kind of, what kind of coverage it gets from, I don't know, mainstream gaming sites. As I example. will too. And as far as I understand it, Brent, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's available now on Steam, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's available on Steam right now. Yep, so go check it out. Um, all right, Brent, all what right. do you got up next for me? Next is, uh, it's, it's the news <laughs> you and I have been waiting years to hear. I, I seriously, uh, I, when I looked at the docket on this, I, I looked at the docket on this, and and... I, I, I don't know if that's the title of the article, and you can read it verbatim, Brent, but I, I literally looked at the title of this, and I was like, you have got to be shitting me. No, the title of the article is, quote, Assassin's Creed will feature more modern-day segments in the future, end quote. And I just, like, stared there and looked at it, and I'm just, you know, the, the thing that I was thinking about is reading that is like, you know what? Ubisoft does not want me to play Assassin's Creed. I am obviously not the person that they... Uh, are looking for in, in terms of the player base for this game because they're just running in the opposite direction of where I wish they were. And uh, the article goes on to explain that there were there were more modern day segments planned for Unity that were never implemented uh, due to due to basically time constraints, budget constraints. They talk about how they ended up reusing assets uh, from Assassin's Creed 2 in order to uh, get get certain levels in the game, and that uh, as a result of um, as a result of that though they they are committing to doing more modern day segments in the future game. Which of course you know if you've listened to this show for very long, you know that Lauren and I really like a lot of what the Assassin's Creed games do, except for the fact that they keep pulling you out of the past and into the modern day where we really have no interest in that storyline whatsoever. Like it doesn't, I know like, I know that there are some gamers who are like, that's sacrilegious. Like that's the whole point of the fucking game. I, you know, I don't care. I don't think Lauren does either. It, it absolutely. No, does not, not even a little us. bit. It breaks the pacing. It's just like, we both agree that if you could skip those parts, we would like those games better. But anyway, um, that's not the only, that's not the only detail about, the future of the Assassin's Creed franchise that you get from this, uh, because there is a, a quote in here from uh, the uh, from lead writer Darby McDevitt, uh, who is uh, explaining that they are really looking at reusing the assets that they've already created in order to get more mileage uh, out of the series. So this is what he says. Uh, he, he's, he's talking about uh, he's talking about you know this town that 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 only was able to you know get into the game because they were able to reuse it from Assassin's Creed Two. He says so the future and this is the plan is to smartly reuse things so that we can have a more robust modern day. We've created five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred years worth of history that we hope to start teasing out for the next ten, twenty years or however long we're around. So. Based on that statement, and this was happening on an Ubisoft uh, on an Ubisoft live stream. So I mean, this is you know this is coming from an official source. Ubisoft is literally planning on milking this thing for decades 
if they can. If people keep buying them, they are going to keep making these Assassin's Creed games for decades to come. Not just milking and, it, but, but 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 milking it by reusing it. Yeah, which is exactly the the import of that uh, of that term that I was using. And I'm just I don't know. Like I sat there kind of like looking at it, and I was thinking, well, that's being really honest about it. And I appreciate the fact that they're being very upfront. They're they're saying, listen, we're going to try to figure out a way to reuse stuff many many times so that we can make games for twenty years off this franchise. I'm like, okay, well, at least at least all of our cards are on the table now. So my question, I suppose, is, does that sound appealing to to you, Lauren? Does that sound appealing to anybody listening? Are do you like the sound of of playing this style of Assassin's Creed games for? the next 20 years of your life you're really asking me that question i'm really asking you that question do you want to do you want to do that i mean I, I don't know that i want to play any video game for 20 years I, i'm well I, i'm trying to think is there a video game that you have played for 20 years is there or a video game series that you've played consistently for 20 years series yes wolfenstein okay how many how many games you, you suppose we're talking about? Because at this point, the Assassin's Creed series is down to about a year, uh, a release every year. So I'm well, just you saying. Well, you got to figure the last Wolfenstein before this one was like ten years ago. See, that's that, and that's what I'm saying. I I think that I was just be, I was being technical. <laughs> if I, uh, I think that they're being I think they're being a little optimistic with how bored their audience might get with these games if they're going to be releasing one a year and they're going to be recycling things from game to game yeah this is ridiculous this whole thing is ridiculous so first of all nobody i don't think wants to hear we want more of the future uh in the game that in and of itself seems to be very out of touch with their with their fan base but you know maybe i'm wrong but uh uh, it's it's been a pretty unpopular part of the game i think for most people not everybody some people do like it and i get that but um I don't think there's going to be many people who are like, oh, awesome, more modern parts in the game. Like, you go to Assassin's Creed for the historical parts, and they should focus on making those better if they can. Secondly, I don't think, you know, it was interesting for me to read about their decision-making process. Being on the inside working for HB Studios for this last nine months, I recognize that you have to make decisions based on, like, is it worth it? And, like, for example, you know, we were looking at, let's just say, adding more clothes in the game, right? Like, a couple more hats or something as alternatives. You gotta, each one of those costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to make right right and so you got to think about like modelers you've got artists you've got yeah it's not like a hundred bucks i mean it's it's all have to have hands on it thousands of dollars ten tens of thousands of dollars depending on a lot of man hours to make any kind of change and money and so and this is and and look at ubi is and i i respect this and i understand it now having worked in the industry they're saying like look it it was going to cost us half a million dollars in six months to do this and it makes no sense that's great, and I think transparency with your audience is fantastic. Uh, there is a limit to the transparency or how you choose to um, use words. I think it is not, you know, obviously, anybody who's got a brain knows that there's got to be some sort of uh, reusing of the assets when designing video games in order to, you know, keep costs manageable. And, and if sure. you spend, you know, 100 hours designing something, why would you not try and use it as much as you can? Absolutely. I don't know that I would use those words as I was talking to my fan base, however. Right. Um, 
you know, I, I would might use something in that case. And Daniel Kaiser is the absolute best at this. We talked last week. We talked about it, but I might say something like, "We're going to maximize the incredible work that the team has done over the past two years, and use that as a launching point for the next ten years or however long exactly our right. fan base wants to wants to enjoy our franchise." As we're going to draw upon the rich archive of resources and talent that we've already established to make the series going forward even better. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, but <laughs> it's like bullshit. is just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit bullshit. You know, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that Ubisoft at this point, like their 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 PR department is it, it, it seems to seems to keep putting their foot in their mouth. If you and it's just it's 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 funny actually. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is just uh, Brent. This is to me, this is ridiculous uh, in like on like eight different levels, and and, and the most enjoyable. Is, is is the title like more modern day segments in the future excellent that's what i wanted when i was bought a game totally 98 percent you know f- france or italy or i really need those parts where he's running through a cave and d- doing absolutely nothing but it's <laughs> you know, a modern day cave lorne yes that is so whatever you, you know keep keep, keep yeah. doing it you keep doing it I, I think I've, I've pretty much checked out of the out of the game series at this point i mean i've always had I'm, i've always totally. had you know a slightly contentious relationship with it, but it's just like I was saying, it's just, and I'm not faulting them for it. I'm not, I'm not saying like they shouldn't do this. I'm not, you know, saying they're an evil corporation for trying to, you know, make, you know, 20 games over the next 20 years, recycling assets. I mean, if they're making a product that people are enjoying playing, then Odin go with them. But as I said, I've just, I've come to the realization that there's, there's nothing in the Assassin's Creed series for me. Which is sad because I ought to be the, I ought to be their prime audience. I, I came to that sort of. We've talked about this before, Brent. I, I keep trying with that series, and I keep being dissatisfied. The only game I've really enjoyed and never finished, actually, of course, was Black Flag. Yeah, Black yeah. Flag. and it was most of what I enjoyed about that game had nothing to do what, with what had been the core mechanics for the six previous games, and became and stayed the core mechanics for the subsequent games. It was mostly the ocean. Uh, yeah. That I really enjoyed, and all the and the ships and all that stuff, and and don't, uh, I mean, don't you think they're going to spin that? Like they're going to do? I mean, I fully expect that they're going to spin that shit off and just do like a fucking pirate game. I I would hope so, but we haven't seen it or heard any talk about it. Yeah, well, and they're coming keep, up. They keep churning out. I mean, they they keep churning out, and it was it was universally uh, lauded. I mean, I mean, it's probably the best reviews they've gotten is that part of that game. Yeah, I th- I think they really I think that what they did in Black Flag and and bear, I've you know barely touched the game on PlayStation Four, uh, but uh, I think that uh, I think based on what I've seen and what I've heard, uh, people who have played it talk to me about it, it seems like they they were really exploring some some cool stuff and it seems like a refinement of those game systems and a continuation of you know some kind of uh, some kind of ongoing story in that uh, that that part of the world and that era in history i don't think that they'd be I, I mean think about something okay well like think about this what if they made like fucking master and commander the fucking video game you know like i mean think about you know you're in that era you know england and france are at war you know you know napoleon's you know taking over europe and you've got you've got the actual military vessels out there you've got privateers you've got Pirates. I mean, there is just limitless kinds of stories and adventures that you could have playing with that stuff that don't involve, you know, running around a cave in the modern era. 
Yeah, I hope they do, man, because uh, honestly, I, I, I could care less about Assassin's Creed anymore. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the final story of the garage. Something I imagine you might just give a shit about. And that is an announcement, a, a rather surprising announcement that uh, came from HTC and Valve during the Mobile World Congress revealed that uh, those two companies have partnered to bring you Vive, V-I-V-E. I'm assuming, they might pronounce it Vive. I don't know. I don't know. But my point is that uh, what, the, what it means to you and me is Steam VR. HTC is manufacturing the Vive VR headset in collaboration with Valve. And uh, this is, in fact, the uh, the Steam VR headset that, you know, there were like rumors. I think there was even like, a, I don't know, some sort of like, you know, silhouette picture that was floating around. Uh, this is that. And so HTC is doing the manufacturing. Valve you know, is providing all the uh, all the technology insight. And they are claiming that this is going to be the first premium VR experience that's going to be available to consumers. Uh, what we know right now is they are saying that it's got a 90 hertz refresh rate with a 360 degree view, which obviously is uh, is is impractical. I think what they're saying is that you're not going to have any you're not going to have any kind of uh, or you're going to have full view in your periphery, whatever that equates to. Uh, they also are talking about this offering a quote full room scale end quote experience. For virtual reality that will let you get up, walk around, and explore your virtual space, inspect objects from a- every angle, and truly interact with your surroundings. We don't know exactly how that's going to work. We do know that there's a pair of uh, of tracked controllers uh, that, that have been mentioned. It's probably going to factor into the equation in some way. And then uh, also, it's coming out damn soon. They're saying that development kits are going to be available in the spring, which the spring starts in about a month, and that the consumer version is supposed to be available at the end of 2015. Holiday 2015 is what they uh, what they say. We've got a trailer linked in the document. Uh, there's also there's there's a couple of news stories that we'll throw in the one to Gizmodo or Engadget, something like that, so you guys can read up on it a bit more. But um, here it is, man. Valve going head to head with Project Morpheus, with Oculus Rift, with Samsung's uh, Gear VR. So the VR space, it doesn't feel like it's even really quite here, and the market is already full of uh, people competing for uh, for dollars and for territory. What do you think, Lauren? Are are you excited that Steam and HTC or Valve and HTC? Are, uh, are hopping into bed on this? Uh, of course, I am. I think it's fantastic. You know, I, this was shocking news to me. I had no idea this was in the works. Uh, at first, I was confused by it, given the Samsung Gear VR partnership with Oculus. When I saw HTC, I immediately assumed mobile. Like this was again something you put a phone into, or right. you know, and it's far from it. It would seem. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, they, I was trying to look up as you were talking. They have so so. Th- there's the a couple things that 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 they're pointing to obviously you mentioned the full room experience there's going to be external sensors that come with this thing so you can move around a room in 3d space uh, which is where i think you get that really 360 degree thing they're talking about and there's using uh they're using uh, i I could be wrong on this this is what i was trying to look up but i believe that it's two uh 1920 by 1080 screens so each eye is going to get 1920 by 1080 now 
Um, we haven't uh, heard any response from from Oculus on this. There's uh, it's obvious that Steam and Valve had been working uh, closely. It's, I'm sorry, the developer edition uses two 1200 by 1080 displays. Uh, All right, f- so one for each eye, ostensibly. Um, and uh, dude, I, I, it, this is freaking great. And they're saying holiday 2015. I don't know that I believe them. Um, and we'll talk yeah, about was, why in the next say, uh, in the next section. But I, I was going to say I. I that seems pretty. That seems pretty ambitious to me. Well, I do uh, find it odd that they're putting, you know, they're putting out the developer kit in spring and saying they're releasing on holiday. Oculus has had the developer kit out for uh, two years at this point, and uh, they recognize very strongly how much the, the the software ecosystem means and how much the quality, you know, killer apps and games mean. Their software ecosystem, from their standpoint, in terms of the UI and then the games themselves that need to be there, people aren't going to find it compelling. Um, I hope that. I mean, obviously. Steam knows this. I, I can't really tell if this is mostly a Steam product partnering with HTC on the hardware, or if it's mostly an HTC product who's asked Steam for some help. I can't can't really tell right now. Um, um, I'm thinking it's probably the former. I'm thinking that it's probably something Valve has been working on for a while that they've gone to a partner. Well, if, uh, if Valve is driving this, I have a, a bit more faith in it because Valve really understands the game space. However, there is a lot of room in VR that's outside of the game space and uh, and, and compelling and that I'm just as excited about as games, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the fact that their you know, competition is good, it breeds innovation. I think the fact that they're bringing in that part where, where, where you get to sort of move around the room is super interesting. Um, I, I think this is fantastic, man. I think the the Hololens we saw recently is fantastic. I think this is this is nothing but good uh, for VR to see two huge companies like this, and it, it again solidifies not that we needed anything beyond the two billion dollar investment from Facebook and what we've seen from Oculus or the Samsung Gear uh, or Microsoft and the Hololens, but it solidifies even further that this is coming and this is coming soon, and it's going to be uh, imp- impressive. I, I think when it gets here. Um, I, I think that's definitely what Valve is aiming for. I think that Oculus is going to come out this holiday season uh, at the latest. That's that's my feeling. Um, I, I, ha- I have no personal insight into that whatsoever. It's just a feeling that I get. And so I think this is uh, – I'm glad I moved back to the United States. Let's just put it that way because this is, <laughs> this is going to – I would be pissed if I was in Brazil waiting for my, my VR device to be shipped. Um, no doubt. Uh, and I might have to get a new graphics card too on top of that. But uh, this, is, yeah. this is super exciting news to me, Brent. I think we know very little right now. I mean, we have some of the, the details, but we know very little really. Um, they are going to be showing it off at GDC, which is – as of this recording starts today uh, and runs for the next four days. So GDC is all week this week. So hopefully uh, we'll have even more to talk about it next week and people will have seen some demos. We'll have some more information on the specs and uh, we'll get to see where it's going. But yes, I'm sure it's, it's no shock to you that I'm very excited by this news. I'm very excited by it as well uh, because I share your passion for VR and, you know, I did not get an Oculus Rift prototype uh, back when, when they were available uh, to Kickstarter backers. I I wanted to wait for the consumer version and 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 have the the more refined experience and as opposed to you know just getting whatever the Oculus Rift consumer version is now you know there's a choice now now you're talking about you're talking about Sony you're talking about uh, Valve you're talking about Oculus all having uh, you know what I would perceive to be gaming focused VR experiences I, I I'm not sure if if the Samsung VR is all that gaming focused. Uh, but um, I, I'm I'm so eager to see these things come out into the marketplace and to see content 
uh, come out for these things in the marketplace. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, like we're right on the cusp of it. We're just like right on the cusp of it. And I tell you, what what really kind of got me was the, the the trailer, if you were, the, the video that, that we're linking to in the document, an advertisement for VR. And like watching that, it, it really did something for me. It really kind of clicked. It was like, wow, like this is... <laughs> this is the world of the future. You know, we're sitting here, we're sitting here selling you VR, not based on, not based on refresh rate and the, the, the pixel density of the displays or, you know, the predictive lag compensation or, you know, any of those things. We're sitting here selling you VR based on imagine what you could experience with VR. You know, staring at the surface of the sun from orbit, uh, you, you know, exploring the oceans, uh, you know, f- you know, flying over the surface of the earth, uh, standing inside of a protein cell, I, you know, just like all of that stuff. Uh, just that is what captured my imagination. It's like that is what has always excited me about VR. And to see that somebody else is excited about that side of VR, too, is... Um, is pretty exciting. I agree, man. It's not going to be long before you and I are standing on Mars, talking to each other, eating virtual sausages, and and uh, shooting. Well, wait a minute. Well, and watching porn. I mean, let, let's face it, <laughs> that's what we're going to be doing in, in VR. We're going to be standing on the virtual surface of Mars, watching porn. <laughs> oh, I don't feel good. Welcome back, guys. We are now in the clubhouse. We're going to kick up our feet, pull up a chair, and we're going to talk about actually something really, really interesting this week. I almost wish we had Daniel on the show this week so that he could discuss this with us because I think that he would have some interesting insight on this. Uh, and we, of course, want to thank everybody for uh, giving DK such a warm welcome to OGR last week. We were uh, really excited to have him on the show. And uh, I know that he had a lot of fun, and I think it probably won't be the last time something like that happens. So uh, nope. thanks, everybody, for making that uh, a fun time for all of us. No poll last week because I really didn't have – I don't I didn't have anything. Like, hey, did you like having – DK on the show, like you know, how was that gonna? How was that gonna? Well, we, really, really, we just didn't want to hurt Daniel's feelings because we know how people <laughs> we know how people were gonna answer. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we will definitely have a poll this week because we got a really interesting item to discuss this week. This is an article that uh, Lauren you shared with me. I don't know, a week or two ago, I guess. Yes, shared by one uh, of the axe heads. And this is uh, this comes from Rock Paper Shotgun. Uh, this is, I don't know, it's, it's probably mid-February, so it's a couple weeks. It's a couple weeks old at this point. This is an interview that was conducted by phone with John Walker of Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Uh, conducted an interview with Peter Molyneux, industry legend, uh, game developer, former head of Lionhead Studios, and creator of the Fable series and many other games, and also a somewhat controversial figure, uh, given the fact that uh, Peter Molyneux is known as a guy who promises a lot of things and sometimes falls short of no. delivering on all that's of not true. And that was kind of a giggle worthy thing. That, that was kind of a, a joke going for many years up to the point that Peter Molyneux and his uh, current studio, 22 Cans, 
went to Kickstarter to raise money for the the game that they're working on right now, Goddess. And the fact that they asked players for money and promised players that they were going to get certain things for that money, certain gameplay features, certain uh, you know certain rewards for uh, you know for different different uh, contribution tiers. And none of that's come through. As you may recall, they they promised a guy named Brian Henderson that he was going to become a fixture in Goddess. He was going to be a, a character in the game, an element in the game, because he won that uh, that curiosity uh, you know game that uh, that Peter Molyneux released uh, way back when. Um, this interview is basically John Walker from Rock Paper Shotgun. Well, I'll just I'll tell you what the opening question is. The opening question of this interview is is him asking Peter Molyneux, "Do you think you're a pathological liar?" And he means that in the literal sense. He, he's he's not he's not asking that necessarily to be an asshole. He is asking Peter Molyneux necessarily. He might be being one. He that does, is like the way you say that. No, he definitely wasn't. But 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 he 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 does clarify later on, and he says, "I'm asking you." Do you tell lies not really meaning to? Do you just habitually, compulsively do it and not really understand that you're saying things that aren't true? Uh, it's, a, it's a tense interview. It's, uh, it's a long interview, too. It'll take you a good hour, probably, to read through the whole thing. But I suggest doing it because it's, it's fascinating. And Molyneux's... Molyneux's reactions, I think, are pretty telling. Uh, he he goes from rationalizing to to defending to attacking uh, the press, and and basically, I, I think that I think that his attitude is that I understand that I've promised these things. And that it's not it's not all worked out as as I said that it was going to or or I promised it was going to, but you have to understand that I'm really passionate about making games, and nobody's more passionate about it than I am. And this is what game development is like. It's chaotic and it's unpredictable. And John Walker from Rock Paper Shotgun responds at one point and says, "You've been in the industry thirty years, like." You're saying that with all that experience, you didn't know that it was going to take longer than nine months to develop the game or that it was going to cost you know, more than this amount of money to do this and that. And, and Molyneux says, no, I, I had no idea. I had no idea that, you know, that, we would go, that we would go so far over schedule with it. And, and you know, there were these unexpected things that popped up uh, during development that we had to spend money on, and I, I didn't foresee those. And Walker's pressing him and saying, but you should have accounted for those things. You should have expected the unexpected because you've been making games for 30 years. And, you know, at one point, at one point, Molyneux kind of says that he knew the money that they got from Kickstarter wasn't going to be enough to make the game and that you can't really ask for the full budget of the game on Kickstarter that you can get part of it there, but part of it's got to come from somewhere else. And, one of the really contentious things is that in, in Kickstarter, they promised that the game wasn't going to have a publisher. It was just going to be 22 cans and you know the, the fans funding them through Kickstarter. And of course, since then, 
they've gone outside of that promise. They they do have a publisher for the mobile version of uh, of Goddess that uh, that they're they're working on right now. The PC version still will not have a publisher, but a lot of people look at that as a direct uh, controversion uh, that you know that he lied directly to his fans that we won't do this and, and now they have and he says look that's you know that's the only way the game gets developed because we didn't have the money and they said but you got more than you asked for you got a hundred thousand pounds more than your goal and he's like well you know but you know we knew that we weren't we knew that that goal wasn't going to be enough to fund a hundred percent of the game and so there's a really you know kind of contentious element to that i mean it just goes on and on and on i i, I can't i can't even recall every single detail right now but um Lauren, I, I think it's probably one of the most. I think it's probably one of the most tense interviews I've ever read. There were people comparing it to Frost and Nixon in the uh, in the comments to this article because it was just it was just it was it was brutal at times. And I don't I don't I'm not saying that to assign blame to John Walker saying like oh you really went for the jugular. I'm just saying that it was one of the most stark and candid interviews I've ever read. I agree with your assessment, and, and, and I think it was a very good interview, actually. Um, I agree. I, I, I was very impressed. I, I think that, uh, you know, Molyneux sort of retreats to this, you know, you're attacking me, you're making me want to get out of the industry, it's people like you, uh, and I'm very much paraphrasing. Uh, it's these no, kind of... But, I mean, those are almost direct quotes. These are the those kind are of things that cause quotes. people to quit video games, is that what you want? And yeah. I think this is exactly the interview that needed to take place and needs to continue to take place, Brent, as we talk about, as you and I have over the years, this idea of the the gaming industry, the constant delays and that sort of thing. And Molyneux, John's answer to Molyneux was, was, was spot on where he was like, you've been, where he said, you've been doing this for 30 years. There's, there's not many people alive that have been doing it longer than you've been doing it. And you're telling me that you don't have the ability to, to assess uh, how long a game is going to take to make or uh, or how much money it's going to cost. And further, yet, yet you still make statements around how long it's going to take to make and how much it's going to cost. So why are you doing that? Why do you do that? If you, you, you either. So you should know at this point. Um, and I, I, I frankly, I, I think they should know, Brent. And I've been in software development for years. I get how it works uh, in a couple yeah. different industries. I get how it works. Sh- bugs happen. Chasing bugs is not a predictable thing. Stuff yep. uh, balloons and gets and gets challenging. But but um, I would think at this point we would have figured out uh, h- how to do that and how to do, more importantly to design the game in a way that we want that. And then another series of features that um, we would like to add if budget and timing allows. Um, but if it doesn't look like it's going to, then we don't. And there are plenty of companies out there that, uh, that are making games, uh, that are doing one of two things, that are either making games in the time frame and in the budget that they expected, or uh, they are uh, not announcing publicly or not talking about it in a public way uh, that, uh, that betrays the fact that they didn't. One of the two right. things, and so I honestly don't think, I honestly don't think, um, you know, the the author of this article, the interviewer, is trying to uh, get Peter Molyneux to um, necessarily admit to something. He's certainly not trying to uh, belittle him or anything like that. He's he's discussing the question that we've, you and I, as I said, have talked about for many years, uh, which is simply why are you making commitments you can't keep? And if you, e- you either need to 
by now, after 30 years, you should know what commitments you can make, or you simply should have learned after 30 years that you shouldn't be making those commitments. And it's one thing uh, to tell a a venture capitalist or your publisher or whatever that you need a million dollars, but it's damn sure another thing when you're going to the public and asking for that money. Um, And I, I, I think this is an One of the best interviews I've read, gaming or not, in a long, long time. And I would love to hear this exact same interview with, and it's it's not just Peter Molyneux. He's not, he's singled out in this interview insofar as this interview is with him. But Mm. I would love to hear this author take these exact questions and go speak to people from EA, from Ubisoft, from, you know, insert company name here. Uh, yeah, because because they've all done it, Activision, and find out what their response is when they when they're actually asked the questions. You know, why are you doing this? Why are you constantly making commitments that after so many years of doing what you do in this business, you should either know better that it's not going to happen, or you should know better than making the commitment? And I think it's I I did not see one thing that was out of bounds uh, on the part of uh, uh, the interviewer in this article. Did you? Um, I would not describe anything as out of bounds, although there are, there are a couple of times when I, I thought maybe it got a little bit petty. Um, Molyneux, Molyneux makes some sort of, he makes some sort of comment about how, how nobody's working harder than he is to, to finish the game, to deliver on the promises that, that were made. And he says, you know, I'm not doing events. You know, we got, you know, we got GDC coming up. I'm not going to GDC. I'm not doing events. And and Walker says, well, you did an event last weekend, and you know, he, he I can't remember the name of it now, but you know he he rattles off the name of of something that that he did, and Ed Molyneux says, okay, you know, well, look, like I went to that and I did this and this, and it's it's like it's not exactly like a huge, you know, it's not like a huge game event like a Gamescom or you know or a GDC or an E3, it, it's it's not that level of an event. It you know I think it, it has something to do with like like a charity foundation or something. But, you know, like I, I found like that to be like a little bit petty. It was just kind of like, all right, you know, we're we're sort of we're sort of arguing over, you know, the definition of event now. Uh, so I just I didn't feel like that was all that constructive. But I no, mean, but okay, I think no, I think what like, he's I think what he's trying to do there is he's trying he's trying to, to demonstrate. Look, you're, you're doing it again. You're, <laughs> like, you're doing it right you're, now. You're, you're actually right saying now. you're not doing events. And I can point to one from last week. And yeah, I'm not going to let you. Exactly and I'm saying. not going to let you get away with it. And and I understand what you mean, Brett. By it feels a little bit petty, and, and and I don't totally disagree with your assessment of that. But at the same time, like I said, I I think he's he's as as a good journalist who's done his research, saying no, 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 you can't. This is what I'm talking about. Stop making statements that aren't true. And if you if you're going to say that, say I'm not doing events other than small charity events. Yeah. Or you know what I mean. Um. But anyway, that's not. I, and now you and I, now <laughs> now you and I are arguing uh, no, of, no, no, of what no, the meaning no, no. of is is. That that's absolutely that's absolutely not, not. I'm sorry. The reason I didn't respond is that I was looking at a quote here in the article. I, I wanted to kind of pick something out to actually quote him directly, just to give some context uh, for what we're talking about here. Yeah. As an example, um, here. So here here's a question right here. Uh, this is from Rock Paper Shotgun. Quote. During the Kickstarter for Goddess, you stated, regarding that you don't want to use a publisher, and you stated, he's quoting Peter Molyneux now, it'll just be you and our unbridled dedication, no publishers. And five months later, you signed with the publisher. Peter Molyneux says, absolutely. And at that time, I wish we had raised enough money not to need a publisher. 
rock, paper, shotgun response, but you got more than you asked. And then Molyneux talks to him a little bit. He goes into some other stuff. He's talking about, you know, just kind of the uncertainty, the economics and everything. This is Peter Molyneux saying, um, it's a very confusing and built and bewildering time talking about crowdfunding. And it's very hard to predict what will happen. Walker responds, quote, yes, but you know that you've been working in the industry for over 30 years. You know how much money it costs to make a game and you put a specific amount. Molyneux interrupts him and says, no, I don't. I disagree, John. I have no idea how much money it costs to make a game. And anyone that tells you how much it's going to cost to make a game, which is completely a new experience, is a fool or a genius. Walker responds, but you have to have enough experience to know the basics of budgeting a video game. You've been doing it for 30 years. Molyneux says, no, I disagree. See, this is where you're wrong. I think even Hollywood struggles. Lots of films go over budget. And then he goes on to tell this anecdote about how he had some repairs made on his home uh, that went over budget. And, and so, so there you go. Um, it's really interesting to like read how, given the fact that, that Molyneux has created this media image of himself as an auteur, as a, a, you know, as a genius video game designer, it's interesting to see him retreat from that and, and kind of claim ignorance on this. Um, and I think that I'll, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, th- there were, there were parts of this interview that actually made me exceedingly uncomfortable, not because the, the questions, you know, that were being asked were too aggressive or anything like that. But what made me uncomfortable is how fragile Peter Molyneux seems, uh, in this interview. And the longer it went on. And the more his answers tended to shift away from trying to rationalize or or explain, you know, why he said he would do this and such, and then he didn't, or or you know, went back on his word where he would not do something and he did, or whatever the case is. The longer the interview goes on, and the more he he begins to talk about, okay, well, fine, I'll just leave the industry then. Okay, fine, I'll just stop making games. You know what? I'm not going to do press anymore. You're not going to... I mean, there's moments where it almost sounds as if he's invoking, you know, and you're not going to have Richard Nixon to kick around anymore. You know, it almost gets to that place a couple of times. And I just reread All the President's Men not too long ago. And so the the Nixon the Nixon Frost thing was also uh, present in my mind as I was reading this. Um... But I got to the end of this interview and I went and looked up the, I looked up the, the clinical as in, you know, what's in like the DSM manual, uh, the clinical definition of sociopath, because that is where my mind went in listening to Peter Molyneux, uh, try to defend his position on this. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't disagree with you. It's it, it's it's an odd interview. I, I you know, I think you and I are pretty much in the same place in terms of our assessment of the interview. Its validity, uh, the fact that it was uncomfortable, the fact that it was a well written and well well uh, conceived and performed interview. And so I'm really curious to hear. I, I want our listeners to go read this. And if you, even if you can't read the whole thing and it sounds daunting because it's so long, just start reading it. And my guess is you'll end up reading a third of it or a half of it. And even that, just that much, is worth your time. And 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 I want to I want to hear what our listeners think. And I want you to 
joining the discussion uh, because I think this is real journalism, and it's we get so little of it in gaming, in my opinion. And this is these are well well thought out, well researched, and well asked questions about real genuine issues in the industry today. And I think uh, I, I think it's worth your time. And so I strongly strongly urge all of our listeners to go read this and and come and comment on it. I want to hear what you guys think. Um, uh, beyond what just Brett and I are saying. I mean, you know, don't just necessarily listen and agree with Brett and I on what we're saying, although we're probably right, because if we agree, we're, <laughs> we're probably right. But, but uh, I, I really I, I want to I I hear what our listeners think, Brennan. I want you guys to go read it, check it out, come back here, uh, and let us know what your thoughts are so we can, we can talk about it next week. All right, guys, it is time to hit the road and talk about what we've been playing this week. I have been moving from one country to another. So, Brent, honestly, I don't have anything this week. It's not very exciting. I didn't really play any mobile games. I did buy 80 Days on Android. I just haven't played it yet. Uh, so uh, I, I, don't have much to, uh, I don't have much to add right now. I got you. Well, so, so so did you play something? Please tell me you played something. I played something. Uh, I think I, I mentioned a, a, a little while ago, I got, uh, my wife was very kind and, and gifted me uh, an iPad Air 2, and I started playing a ton of games on it. And one of the games I think I mentioned was the Banner Saga. I finished the Banner Saga uh, again, because I, I did finish it on PC way back when. But I finished the Banner Saga uh, again this week. Uh, for the second time, I played through the complete game. I talked about on the show when I finished the game originally that I, I had a kind of a sour experience with the end because the final uh, the final bit of the game, the, the, the final battle really, really was tough and I was stubborn and I wouldn't just turn down the difficulty level and, and make it easy on myself, even though, the, even though the game explicitly tells you to do that at one point. <laughs> yes, it does. I didn't listen, and I got really frustrated, and when I finally turned down the difficulty, I beat the game, but I wasn't happy about it, it by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't enjoy the experience of finishing the game, even though uh, I, I, I really desperately wanted to. And I kind of promised myself that one day I'm going to go back and I'm going to I'm going to play this again with kind of fresh eyes. And I know that they actually have done I, I know that one of the updates they tweaked something about the mechanics of the final of that final battle uh, to make it I, I don't know I, not necessarily to make, make it easier, but I know that they, they tweaked something uh, to to uh, I don't know just to address what I imagine you know, was was an experience that, that other people had as well. Anyway, so I uh, I was playing through the game on the iPad, and I got to tell you that playing the Banner Saga on the iPad is one of the best game experiences I've ever had. It is number one. It's a it's a gorgeous game. Everybody who's seen it knows that this wonderful art style, reminiscent of of Ivan Earl, who I was a fan of before the Banner Saga, and all of that. All of that amazing turn-based gameplay, uh, turn-based combat specifically, that uh, that I fell in love with playing XCOM is, is here. It's a really, really uh, accessible system. I mean, it, it's very simple to understand, but the mechanics uh, of how to win in terms of strategy and how to utilize the particular skills of each of your, your players and everything, I, I, I eat it up. I mean, in terms of gameplay, I love this game. I love the role-playing aspects of this game. I love that there is this 
there's this, you know, overarching story that's taking place about man and Varl and Dredge and, you know, this, this huge conflict that's going on. But there's like really little stories too. You know, when you're on the road traveling from one place to another, you know, it stops and, and you'll get these, you'll get these little bits of gameplay that have to do with, you know, oh, you know, there's this, there's these two, there's these two mothers that are arguing with each other in your caravan and you've got to try to resolve that. And if you resolve it, if you resolve it correctly, or if you resolve it in the best way you can, you know, you get, you get renowned for it, you know, and renown is kind of the currency of the game you can use to, you know, to upgrade, upgrade uh, characters or buy supplies or whatever. But that's the thing they like, they, they don't turn down an opportunity to get gameplay out of everything that happens in the game. Like everything that they can do to kind of like, Oh, you know, there's some gameplay there. We could have some, some player choice or a conversation tree or, you know, like whatever they do it. And so playing through this game again, I absolutely fell in love with all of that all over again. And I got to the end knowing fully what I experienced last time, but also knowing that they had, that they had, had done some tweaking or something. And so I went into it and I, uh, I completed, I completed that final, uh, that final battle. It took me two tries, but I finished the final battle and now I get to the ending of the game again, an ending that I was in no mood to receive the first time I went through it. And this time it absolutely brought me to tears. It is beautiful in terms of its aesthetic quality and in, in terms of the, the art that, that you are seeing and, and, and what is going on. I'm, tr- I'm desperately trying not to spoil this, but it is aesthetically as beautiful as anything that I've seen in video gaming. The music that Austin Wintry puts together in, in that last, that last kind of cinematic moment is absolutely breathtaking, but the story the, the conclusion of the story and the choices that you've made along the way, the history that you have built up with, with the characters, both with yourself and, and the characters uh, to each other, the culmination of all those things in this, this last moment of the game is as good a moment of video gaming as I have had in my life. I think that this is one of the most superlative video games that has ever been created. And I will tell you that the one regret I have is that when I got the backer email from Kickstarter to that, I needed to respond to, I needed to go somewhere and fill out a form that would have the name I wanted to appear under in the credit sequence of the game that lists every backer, uh, you know, or <laughs> higher. I'm very excited to hear this. Yes, go ahead. I said, you know what? I don't really care about getting credit. I don't really care about seeing my name there. I hate myself for not doing that because I sat there and I watched that credit sequence roll by and I saw where my name should have been. And I really kicked myself hard. And I said, you know what? I wish that I could post a screenshot of this. And, and and be able to tell people, hey, there's my name. I'm one of the people who helped make this game happen. This game is fucking amazing. It's one of the best video games that's ever been created. And me and thousands of other people are how it happened. Me and a bunch of other people who saw this pitch video, who saw the artwork and said, God, that video game needs to exist. I'll give you money to help make it happen. We all helped make this happen. And I desperately wish that I had uh, I had done that because I would really like to be able to celebrate that fact 
um, along with everybody else who gave a little bit of their money to bring this amazing game into existence to facilitate Alex and the guys at Stoic creating one of one of my favorite video games in, in recent years. Well, yeah, no one's going to believe you. You screwed it up, buddy, because your name's not in the credits, and as far as I'm concerned, you had nothing to do with the making of this game. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it's the truth. It's just the truth. I don't want to. I don't want to sugarcoat it for truth. you. Oh man. No, I, I, I can't. I, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see the sequel for this game. I can't wait to see what they do in, in the Banner Saga too. I'm really. No, I think that. this is awesome, Brent. I can't like it, it, it's and, and it's te- very telling how much it like changed your relationship to the game. Uh, you know how how the gameplay went for yeah. you. You know what I mean? The fact that it wasn't like just annoyingly difficult, and, and it became this really emotional thing for you. And I, I just think that's fantastic. And I, and I, it's such a beautiful game. I was waiting for you to mention Austin Wintry's soundtrack just because I love the dude. The music's um, I mean, amazing, Austin. I don't actually. I, the music is incredible. Um, oh man. Yeah, I, I just think I, I think it's fantastic, and I'm super excited that you went back and played it again, and that you had such a, a compelling, compelling experience on an iPad, a compelling, compelling experience on on a freaking you know tablet device. iPad, nonetheless, I know it's incredible. It really is. <laughs> um, uh, that's, you know, that's that, that's the thing is that you know it's it's not just a great game, but man, it's it's a great it's a great game on on that on that platform it, it, it poured it over amazingly well i don't know i don't know if they had planned that from the very get-go or not but is, is it better <sighs> boy that's a good question you know what um I, maybe i need to go back and play it on the pc before i could say that but i have to tell you that the the intuitiveness of playing it on the ipad of just you know tapping and, and all of that stuff it's satisfying it's very satisfying to play that game uh, on a mobile device, I'm not ready to say better, but that's just because I don't feel like I've I've had a recent enough experience to make a fair comparison. Still awesome though. I mean, it's so cool that it plays so well in that game, and it's so gorgeous yep. on that game on that platform, and it's so gorgeous. It, is. it really, it really is. So, um, all right, Brent. With that, we're going to call it a show because I didn't play anything this week. So, as usual, uh, we want to hear what the listeners have to say. We want you guys to sound off and let us know in the comments your thoughts on everything we talked about this week, whether it's the Banner Saga, uh, particularly on uh, tablet format, or the talk about Peter Molyneux and the uh, very intriguing and controversial interview that was conducted by Rock Paper Shotgun. Of course, the Vive or Vive or Vive or whatever it's called the Steam VR uh, device partner with HTC Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed's uh goals to provide you with more modern day segments in the game uh the video game social justice warriors love to hear if anybody's actually played it uh, and then of course we talked at the top about we happy few a new game from the makers of contrast we want to hear your thoughts about all of that and everything else gaming related and anything else you want to talk about just kidding only gaming related stuff Uh, When you get a chance, as usual, he is Brent Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing.